Hey everyone, it's Joe. In this episode of the Arts Insider Podcast, Mark and I sat down over Zoom with Grace Galloway from Galloway Vocals. Grace is a musical theatre performer, as well as vocal coach, who's worked across the UK and in leading drama schools. She sat down with us to chat about singing, giving and receiving feedback, and audition advice. Grace had some brilliant industry insight to share with us all, so it's definitely an episode not to be missed. Here we go. This is the Arts Insider Podcast. Okay, so Grace, can, what, what would be useful, I think, to start with is, is for you just to give us a bit of a, a, a bit of a introduction, I guess, to, to who you are and what you're, what you're currently doing, what, you know, sort of, and that would be a nice sort of starting point, I guess, for, for listeners who don't know. Yeah, okay. So um, I'm Grace Galloway. Um, I am an actor and I am a vocal coach from Liverpool, currently living in Manchester. Um, I have recently just been in Blood Brothers, the musical, which I toured with for a number of years um, and have decided to leave. And now I am a vocal coach and own my own business, Galloway Vocals. Um, and I coach at Mountview Academy of Theatre Arts and I also coach at Leeds Conservatoire and I do workshops and Q&As and all of that sort of stuff um, for a number of organisations and companies around the country. Amazing. And, and Grace, give, give us a little insight into into why, why I, I think performing arts, as in being on stage, that kind of speaks for itself, but why? where's the real passion come from for, for singing and and helping others to sing? So I've always been a singer and my voice has always kind of been my thing. I hate it when people say, what's your like strongest discipline in musical theatre? But if I'm being honest, mine has always been my singing. Um, And I then found myself after drama school in a place where I didn't really know what I was doing or wanted to do. So I um, went on to a a still voice international course because I was like well what else am I doing I'll do something like that because I like singing and I want to know more about it um, and I did that course and then all of a sudden I thought oh I could probably do this as a job and then the lockdown happened and I was in Blood Brothers and the lockdown happened and I had nothing um, and I lost my job so I thought right well what else can I do I know I'll do some online singing lessons and then it kind of just exploded um, it just went nuts and I I feel like it went nuts because possibly I have the side of knowing what it's like to be a performer and do all of that of what the clients who come to me are hopeful to do or want to do and then I also have that knowledge because I'm a bit of a geek and I enjoy science and things like that which I never thought I'd say as a kid but I do um so yeah it's kind of like married my two loves and it also is a stable career which is not uh, the norm in this industry mm-hmm. which is what I quite like I'm, quite, I'm a bit of a control freak so I enjoyed that element of control Grace I'm always really interested in and quite impassioned by when you talk about the importance of seeking out training and coaching from credible sources and you know i feel like you put on an instagram story one week of ages ago that i was like i get that so much and i love that because it was something about you know beware the 
the the YouTube guru masters who may be trying to lead you a bit of a, astray. Um, do you want to talk to us a little bit about kind of in your mind the importance of getting the proper training to coach voice, for instance? Uh, yeah, so I think that it's like any muscle. It's like a physio or a PT. Like you wouldn't go to a physio or a PT who didn't know about the muscles and the things that you were working on. So it's a little bit the same with a vocal coach, like the larynx and the voice is just like any other muscle in the body. Um, and if you go to someone who's going to tell you to do something that is potentially harmful just because they've heard it from a, I don't know, a, a, a TikTok or YouTube or Instagram, mm -hmm. then like, I just think that it just harbors danger and I don't yeah. enjoy it. And I, and I think any, always you should go to someone who just has experience and knows what they're talking about. And if that comes with an extra sort of price tag, then I think sometimes you just have to take that quality over the quantity in a way. Um, but yeah, I, I'm like really strong on the fact that I enjoy what I do, but I also work really hard at what I do because I never want to be in the position where somebody damages something or goes away and goes, oh, she was actually a bit rubbish um, to other people. <laughs> I always want them to be like, that was great. That was amazing. You know? Grace, you work with, am I right in thinking that you you sort of cap it or, or you start your tuition at, at people who are older? Where, where do you sort of go up to and why, why did you... Why do you not necessarily at the moment work with young, young people? So I did a lot of, I had a lot of experience working with younger children um, when I first started coaching and teaching. Um, and that was when my knowledge and my skills weren't as broad as perhaps they are now. And the way that S still works, I personally think it can get quite technical and it can get quite sciencey. And some people love that and some people really don't like that. But I also find that to do that with young children, their brains are just going to be a bit blech, you know, they're just, they're going to explode. So I find as well that I target my coaching to people who are wanting to go into this industry. Um, and not those who perhaps are being not forced into it, but perhaps, you know, are not as interested and are just getting to do it because their parents think that it's a good idea. Um, I enjoy the passion and I enjoy people who want to work hard. Um, and I think I, I te still teach some young people. I really do. And I think it's kind of on like a as and when basis. And I kind of judge it and see if that we will work well together. And if it's not quite the right fit, then that's okay. But if it is, great. It's fab. From working with young people to working on a professional UK tour to also being, you know, a theatre lover yourself who'll, I'm sure, go and watch a show. What, are you, what is your thought on something that we encountered on this weekend just gone, which is we were hosting an event in uh, one of our two buildings, all based around folk music this gorgeous genre with beautiful storytelling and loads of control and stuff like that. And at one point, you know, Mark put out a statement over the weekend because we both turned around to see a room that was to a degree covered in people whose you couldn't see their faces because they were down at their mobile phones. You know, what's, where's your head at on that? Do you, do you think that's, you know, as a performer, would you want to perform to a crowd full of, you know, phones rather than faces? 
Yeah, obviously, we we don't want people on their phones and we want them engaged with the action live on stage. And even in everyday life, you know, I, I would so much rather talk to a person's face than their face down at their phone. But I think we also have to think about uh, the world that we live in now and what's happened. And I think we were all shut indoors for however many years. And the only way of communication and the only thing that we had was our devices. Um, and I think especially for young people around the ages of, say, around 13 to about 18, 19 at the moment, their whole adolescence and their formative years have been stuck to their phones or on a screen or on a laptop or a computer. So in a way, I actually don't blame them and I don't get angry at them because I think if it was me in that position, I think I would be the same. Um, but it's sad because I think there's a massive lack in that like social communication and I think that attention spans have also massively depleted too. Um, and I think it's about organisations like yourselves who get people into the room and get them talking and get them working together away from phones, away from screens. And if it means that at the end of that day, they come back onto their screen and they go back onto their phone and talk to their friends that way, then that's fine because that's their way of communicating with each other. It's just a new age. But I think to have that option of being in person mm -hmm. and having that, that sense of community is super important and I think in theatres I think in theatres and cinemas and things like that I think they're one of the only places that um you are allowed to switch off and escape um from everyday life and I sometimes when I see people on their phones in theatres and cinemas and I don't know concerts and stuff I just think just just live it just live that moment for yourself um, you can go to your phone after, those messages will still be there. That Instagram post of that person that you don't really care about will still be there and in two hours, <laughs> you know, just put it away. Um, but I get it. I understand the reasons why, I think. Yeah, there's something that we were saying, like there's something so live theatre above everything else. I think there's something so kind of immediate and personal about it, you know, and it's like you... <laughs> Even if you did record something, it's, it it just never it, it never ever does what what it did on that moment, um, and you know uh, the, the, we had this danger of yeah like not not just from the performance sense saying like a, a performer wants to feel heard or whatever, but it was more about as an audience member you you are not getting the full the full experience by by being distracted by yeah by the what what is kind of becoming a bit of an addiction to to uh, mobile phones it's definitely an addiction <laughs> i would agree i'm addicted too so <laughs> i think we all are you know <laughs> i think something that we as an organization and i think you as well are really keen to do is also demonstrate that phones and social media and things like that can be really really powerful tools for for good change and can be really effective powerful tools for our own lives um because do you want to tell us a little bit about how like from an enterprise sense from a from a kind of business sense a lot of the now like galloway vocals that people know and really trust and love you've been able to create that brand through the positive use of an instagram and a tiktok and things like that <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, my business wouldn't be what it is today without Instagram or social media. Um, I think I've met some people on there that I would never have met in my life. I coach people, you know, who live in Portugal and Australia and all because of me put, like putting some singing videos on Instagram and people going, oh, she can sing. Maybe she can teach me to sing too. Um, but I do think you have to be quite savvy with it. You know, you have to, you have to be on it. And when people talk about like, oh, influencers and all of that, that they, this, they have an easy life. They do this, that, the other. And I think, honestly, I don't think that's an easy life. I think that's quite tough coming up with like things to post about that aren't corny, but also are interesting and fun. And it is it, hard. Um, and in, in the lockdown, I think it was so much easier to do that because there was nothing else to do. But then when you also combine that with a full-time job and other things it, and life on the road on tour, it totally does like consume your life. Um, but I think it's massively powerful and helpful. Um, but I, I, I do think there's a balance between yeah. really believing what you see and buying into that and also just taking it with a pinch of salt sometimes. Uh, but yeah, my business wouldn't be what it is today without social media. One thing that I think social media has allowed um, me to see as a result of the content you've created is this recent sort of conversation around the feedback that people have been getting from drama school auditions and things like that. Uh, and this was where kind of this podcast and this interview has kind of originated from because you a few weeks ago put on these uh, this collection of stories kind of putting some light on the really uncomfortable way in which people are being spoken to. And I, it was me and Mark, another, another one of our kind of team of practitioners on a Wednesday night that read the, some of the screenshots that you'd shared, that clients had shared with you. And, you know, particularly one around being too plain to look the way you do, something like that. And, and our jaws just collectively like dropped. Can you talk to us a little bit about, well, first of all, I guess, what drew you to starting that conversation? Um, so one of my like main parts of my business is the fact that I coach people through drama school auditions um, because from doing it myself and being lucky enough to get into somewhere, you know, that I loved and was great first year. Um, but I, I thought that if I'd have had someone who just would have like told me that this is probably the right thing to do and this probably is not so great to do, I would have like been so much more confident. I wouldn't have been stood in a bus stop outside of Guildford School of Acting crying my eyes out because I didn't get in, you know, like I would have just like got on with it. So um, I had a number of my clients and I always say to them afterwards, let me know how it goes. I'm like a mother, let me know how it goes. Send me a message, <laughs> give me a ring, you know, tell me how it went. And um, on that particular day, I'd had two of my clients phone, well, not phone me, send me a voice note. And then in a session, talk to me about their experiences at drama school auditions. One of them had been told that, um, even though this girl had had singing lessons with me for a long time and has a great voice and um, had been told that her voice was nowhere near the standard that it needed to be. Um, I don't know why she was spending all this money doing this because it was absolutely ridiculous. And then this, and then another one of my clients got told at a drama school um, 
that when she started singing, the head of the panel decided to stop it after two two words and went, that's not how I've asked you to just do that. In that sort of way and in that tone. And it just enraged me. I, I honestly, I do not get it. I don't understand the reason for it. And I always think if there's something that's really bugging me, or I mean, I'm a very transparent person. I'll, I'm an open book. If I'm having a bad day, you'll know about it, which is right or wrong, you know? But I always like to be really transparent with um, the industry. So I thought, right, I'm gonna put this on social media because I'm not, I, I, the client doesn't want me to get in touch with the school, fair enough. I was happy to do that, um, which I've done before. Um, because there's been times over lockdown where people were sending self-tapes into certain drama schools um, and paying £50 to send in a self-tape for an audition and the tape did not get watched once, but the client had a rejection from that school. So there's things like that going on that I think like systemically is like absolutely outrageous. So I just put it on and thought, I want to tell people and, and let people know that this goes on. But I also wanted people to know that it's never a reflection on them as an individual. It's a reflection on the person who is saying those comments to them. Um, And it's their insecurity that festers within them and then like explodes into this just negativity and nastiness. And I hate to say it, but there is part of the industry that are slightly like that too. Um, and, and I've never really experienced it in an audition myself, but I think there are, you know, there's just a jealousy thing and there's a lack of confidence from people and and that's all it is. But they have, the person, the individual who is receiving these comments has to just take it with a pinch of salt and think that is one person's opinion and I am not gonna let this affect me. But obviously it's easier said than done. <laughs> Cause when you're hearing those things in the room and you're trying to do your best and a person's saying all of that, it's just, it's not right. It's not right at all. Have you got another example, Grace? What's the worst, give, give us the worst thing that you've that you've actually read or heard or, or seen for, as in feedback from the, the clients have had or people have had, what's the worst one? Um, so there's probably, there's probably two that I think are like the top, the top things that I've ever heard. Uh, one of the ones that I posted the other week that you guys were like, oh my goodness. Uh, one of my clients who is one of the loveliest people on the planet. Um, and he's one of now one of my good friends. And a couple of years ago, they went to a drama school and they sang and the head of the course said, you're too plain looking and boring looking to have that voice as in like you need to be better looking to like compliment your voice because your voice isn't that good how insane (laughs) (laughs) and funnily enough right that person the year after got accepted into that school and is now at that school of course. Um, which, you know, like you can't completely transform the way you look in a year. I'm so, well, yeah. some people can, but you can't. And it's not about that. Like, yes, the industry is so massively about how you look, but like 
it's not based on how boring you look. Like, what even does that mean? Honestly, I can't. I, I, we were all just. I'm still in disbelief. It like, just. Oh, honestly, it makes me laugh. Like, it, uh, this is the thing. Like, it makes me laugh because it's so ridiculous, and I hope that other people mm. like can see that as well. That like that is the most bonkers thing that people say. It's just laugh at it, just laugh it off because it is ridiculous and it's so untrue. And then there was another situation which I was in actually, and it wasn't about me or towards me, but I witnessed it. And it was at one of my drama school auditions at a school that I wasn't particularly fussed on going. It's a big school, loads of people want to go, but for me, not not quite the vibe. Um, And it was in the dance call and we got asked to wear leotards um, and tights. And obviously, if you're a certain, you look a certain way or you feel a certain way, you might not feel overly confident or comfortable wearing a leotard and tights. Equally, if you've never danced before, which so many people on musical theatre courses haven't, there were so many people on my course that had never danced before, but could play eight instruments and are amazing singer actors. Yeah. Um, if, if you haven't done that before, you're not going to own a leotard or tights. You don't even know what that is and that's okay right because the reason you go to drama school is to learn what these things are and to learn how to be a better more well-rounded performer if you didn't need to do that you wouldn't need to go to drama school yeah and i was in this dance call and there was a girl in there who was a caviar amazing looking gorgeous girl but she was a caviar girl and she obviously you could tell that a she'd never danced before and b wasn't overly confident about the way she looked so she was in a baggy t-shirt and a pair of shorts and had a sports bra underneath it and the dance teacher went up to her in front of the whole group bearing in mind we were all stood there looking in the mirror going and the dance teacher said you need to show us in your face and your stance how much you want this how much you want to come to this school we all had to stare at you ourselves in the mirror for like five minutes (laughs) and as we were doing that this dance teacher comes up to this girl and goes do you have a leotard on underneath this and she was like no I, I didn't own one and I didn't know I had to wear one and without hesitation the dance teacher grabbed the t-shirt of the girl and pulled it off over her head so that she was stood there in her bra and shorts And as we were stood there and she was like next to me and I could see the reflection of her in the mirror and she was still stood, standing still with a tear rolling down her face. And I just thought, right, okay, so this is not the place for me. This is not where I want to be. So from that moment onwards, I think I like self-sabotaged myself and went in and just (laughs) wasn't very good. And then when I didn't get a recall, I skipped out of the school and was like, thank you. But then I also know people who've been to that school and have loved it and have had the most amazing time. So it's just, it's so individual. But I think when things like that are said to you or happen, you really do just have to go, is this what I'm willing to put up with? Is this something that I am willing to, like, does this serve me? Does this make me go, right, I want to do better? Because to me, negative, like, reinforcement really just does not make me do better. It makes me go, see you later. I'm off. Um, So I think it's very, yeah, it's very individual. But they're two of the things that I just think, oh, my gosh, like, no. I've I've said for for many years, and I've, I mean, I the, the amount of feedback there's an art to giving feedback, and and I think you've been for many many years. You know when we've done auditions, and I'm I'm you know we're talking probably in the thousands of auditions, where 
I've always chosen, and still to this day, I've chosen to give um, casting and feedback on auditions in person. So the way that our organisation is set up is we don't we don't advertise for for a show and all the kids who don't get in disappear. We actually we have the same kids in in the in the cohort. We do the we do the show uh, we do the the audition and then we have to give feedback because we want to then give them a new role and we have to we have to sort of build them up from there. And obviously Joe's done some some recently in in, in the Frozen auditions and I I was saying like there is an art to giving feedback, but I think that the rule of thumb that I've always taken is feedback has got to come from a place of love and it's got to come from a place of care. And if and if you the sole purpose of feedback is is to help that person to move on. Not to say that everything has to be sugar coated and everything can't be can't be real, but at the same time, it's like deep down, even though this is a difficult conversation, it's one that I. I know will help you go forward. And that's always the way that I've done it by the sounds of the two examples you've given there. It's very much, and this is, this is the dark side, I think of it, of, of um, feedback is ego and, and how the feedback being given by that person is really there to help elevate their, their sense of importance or their sense of, um, you know, in those moments. And I think that's the dangerous side of, of, of people in power who have the ability or have the position to give feedback. The, the, the chances are that, you know, that girl who you're talking about, there's no way on earth that if someone is going into there with an insecurity about the feeling the way she feels, there's no way on earth that that... Um, that stunt that that person pulled is going to have a, a positive impact. It's just absolutely no way for, for us. I mean, you just give it, examples there. Uh, we we try to, like you said at the start, we try to build up the person. We try to give them uh, the the person. You sort of said that that your you, you know your advice was the, the fact that it's not a reflection on them uh, as an individual. It's an, a reflection on the the other person. Have you got any, you know, is there any other little bits of advice that you that you give to your clients when they're going through that particular process other than that? Um, I think a gut feeling is a massive thing for me. Like if you know deep down that that is untrue, like that is absolutely untrue, then you have every right to turn around and completely dismiss any of those comments or any of that information. I always say to people as well, art is subjective. So it's always personal opinion. One person might love what you're doing and the other person might think that it's just not that great and that's okay. Um, but if they know themselves that like things like that, that people say are untrue and also that it's just an opinion, I think you can walk tall in the sense of like, I'm here to show you what I can do and see what fits with me and you. It's a two-way streak, a two-way relationship, especially in auditions. Um, I'm going through this at the moment myself with like even professional auditions and stuff because I'm actively auditioning for other work. And I had a piece of advice once where somebody, um, somebody told me that everyone, every individual in an audition room is a jigsaw piece. 
So they all have their individual edge. Like everyone's got their really specific edge. You can have the shiniest, most desirable, lovely jigsaw piece and it can be fresh from the box and it looks amazing. But if that jigsaw piece doesn't fit the whole puzzle, you can't change the edge. You can try and cut it and merge it, but it's never truly going to fit into that jigsaw puzzle. It will fit into another jigsaw puzzle somewhere, but it won't be that one. And no matter how hard you try or how appealing you make yourself, unfortunately, sometimes you just don't fit. And that's okay because you're still a shiny, gorgeous, lovely jigsaw piece um, that will fit somewhere else and be amazing in that other place. And I think for me, for both myself and my clients, I think it was just like the most important thing to think about that you are an individual just because one place thinks that you're a bit rubbish. (laughs) Another place won't think that somewhere else will think you're the best thing that's in sliced bread. So yeah, that's what I kind of try and tell people. So we, we wanted to talk to you about, we have this conversation all the time and to have you on and talk about, we couldn't have you on and not talk about this is about singing as a, a, in terms of its technique and and the art form itself. So we have a lot of young girls, uh, teenage girls with with fantastic voices, very different voices. Um, And we do a lot of musical theatre. But one of the things that we we did, as Joe mentioned earlier, was was this folk solo. And the reason we we did folk music, one of the reasons was folk music kind of took out uh, or took off the table the need for a really awesome big belt note right so not to say that folk music doesn't have those but but there was an element that that it was much more about the lower end the storytelling the you know and and seeing singing as more than just a a fantastic belt belt ending now when we we watch students perform sometimes that they if they can't belt they they in their head they can't sing and if they can belt then they're an amazing singer just because they've got this big belt note. And my thing is like singing, I always liken it to a drum kit and say that the belt note is like the crash symbol at the end. Like it's fantastic and it adds real real emotion and drama at that point. But it's just one part of the drum kit. Can you give us some, uh, what, what is your view firstly on that and, and sort of singing as a whole and the role that all these techniques play in becoming a better a better singer? Uh, yeah, I liked that analogy, the symbol thing, the, the crash. I really like that. I love a good analogy. My clients will know. I always talk <laughs> in analogies, um, which I'm going to give you one now. Um, so I always like to think of, and this is a very still thing, but I really like to think of the voice as like a massive toolkit. And you have to have specific tools to make a certain piece of furniture you'll need a different set of tools to make a couch than you will to put up a shelf. Um, And it's the same with singing. If you try and belt a certain genre or style, it will not work sometimes and that's okay. But it doesn't mean to say that like you can't learn to do that. Everyone can learn that. And I always think as well, if somebody was to ask somebody, um, what type of singer are you? Are you like a legit singer? Are you soprano? Are you an alto? 
I always say to my clients, you shouldn't really be able to answer that question. You should always just kind of go, well, I can sort of do a bit of everything. I love doing this. And this is what my go-to is. And I really enjoy it, but I can do X, Y, and Z for you as well. Um, and then another thing I think is my number one thing and my clients get bored of me saying this, but I don't care how much of a good singer you are if you don't tell me a story. If you don't tell me a story, especially in musical theatre, but in any genre, if you don't connect to the text, if you don't tell that story, and if that story isn't paramount, I honestly do not care. <laughs> I, I really don't care. We've all been to see a show where someone's got the most unbelievable voice, but their face is like deadpan. And you just think, yeah, that was, that was a great singer. Wow, that's lovely. That was nice. But you don't get any sort of like emotional like response or connection. And I think when you go and watch someone who, yes, they're not the most amazing singer in the world, but their storytelling is out of this world and peak, then that to me is like performance magic. It's that X factor yeah. that you can't quite learn. Um, a really good example of that for anyone listening is Jane Horrocks singing Cabaret on Broadway. Her voice, oh my goodness, it's diabolical. It's terrible. <laughs> but if you think about Sally Bowles and the point that she sings that song in the musical, she's in like the peak of despair. You know, World War II is currently happening and she's just on the brink. So of course she's going to sound like that. If she come off and sang, come to the cabaret and sung lovely and nice and great. I don't care. I don't believe you. And I want to believe you when you're stood on that stage telling a story and you just so happen to be singing because musical theatre is a heightened emotional way that we portray story. Like, you, you tell me the story because I will want to hear it, you know? I think, I think we're... I think that was the song that we we watched it, the we, Olivier's, wasn't it? Yeah, we went to the Olivier's last year, and so we saw the West End casts um, of a couple of shows, one of which was Cabaret. And do you know what? It was really interesting that actually in the room, you got a sense of the despair and you got a sense of the hopelessness of it. And then we 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 saw a load of Facebook commentary on it who of people who'd watched it on TV. And therefore, you know, the environment is a different thing. And a lot of people were kind of like, oh, I think a friend of ours, actually, someone was like, oh, she's just butchered that song for yeah. me. She's ruined it for Sounded me. Sounded like a drowned cat or something. And I, and, but it was like, if you don't know the context of the moment, then yeah. then you don't, you, you're, you're passing unfair criticism on, on it, you know? But then doesn't yeah. that just show that, like, art is subjective? Someone's cup of tea could be someone's like absolute worst drink in the world. Um, and like you do, I, I would have to say as well, you do have to find a balance between, I think vocal health is important as well mm -hmm. in theatre. So I know that that lady who you guys saw had to take a good few days off the actual show because she'd ruined her voice that much doing that performance wow. at the Olivier's. Um, so it's about going, okay, how can I do this story justice, but also keep myself sane and well? Because remember, you're number one. Your health and well-being is number one always in any job. Um, so I think that you have to find that balance well, but also know that you're not going to be everyone's cup of tea. And that's cool. That's all right. And Grace, can I 
pick your brain on that a little bit because you're also, you know, a vocal first aider, I'm right in thinking, right? Mm-hmm. And so in terms of when you've got maybe, you know, certainly in terms of performers who aren't working every every evening, you know, eight shows a week kind of vibe, but people who are at this moment doing it because they're in training or doing it because they, they enjoy it in a youth theatre or amateur dramatics kind of setting. What is the ways in which at that level people should ought to be looking after their vocal health? I think listening to like people like myself who say, you know, do this warm-up or getting a good warm-up going doing your SOVT, which for those of you who don't know, is basically using part of your voice by blowing through a straw or things like that. You can learn more about that if you Google it. Um, But also I do think that when you're younger, I think it's really important to like make mistakes so that you learn from them. There's been two experiences where I've done that. So when I was 16, I was in a youth theater youth theatre production at the Liverpool Empire and I was playing Rizzo in Greece and it was a stage experience production and it was amazing loved it but in the middle weekend I decided for some crazy reason to go to a V festival with my friends even though I had four at that point like peak pinnacle performances of my life the following week I completely lost my voice and then the run-up to the shows was just pure panic and pure just like what am I going to do if my voice doesn't come back because in those sorts of things you don't have understudies you don't have covers um and luckily it did but that was because I slept I drank loads of water I rested I didn't use my voice too much But that was like the first moment of, okay, if I'm going to take this seriously, then I need to seriously book up my ideas and I need to stop, you know, thinking that I can do, like I can have my cake and eat it. And then there was another period in drama school. It was my second year of drama school. um, And I had got some form of like laryngitis, um, chest infection, where my voice totally went. But I'd been asked to do a cabaret performance at a cabaret night in Liverpool. So I'd come back from Glasgow and done a cabaret night in Liverpool. And I thought I was all right. You know, when you think, do you know what? I'll get through it. It'll be okay. It'll be good. And um, someone was filming it. And I got to the big bit at the end, the big belty bit, you know, that everyone loves. Everyone likes the big thrill and belt at the end because it's loud and big and exciting. And I absolutely murdered it it was terrible I have the video and I show it to clients all the time because at that point I should have just turned around when I got unwell and when when I was poorly and gone I can't do it because it would have saved the embarrassment and it would have saved all of the heartache and the upset afterwards so I think it's but I wouldn't know now to turn around and go no I can't do it if I hadn't have had those experiences. So sometimes it is just about making those mistakes. I had a situation when I was doing Blood Brothers at the Liverpool Empire, which was my absolute dream. People have West End debuts as their dream. Mine was doing a show about Liverpool at Liverpool in the place that I used to work in the box office at and do youth theatre shows at. Mind blown, absolutely mind blown. So I was in Liverpool Empire performing and I got really sick, had to take two days off the show. And I was devastated, but I took those two days. Old me would have just gone, I'll just carry on. And then I would have been, I would have done some serious damage. 
if I'd have carried on, but I didn't. I took two days off and there was hundreds of people in that audience over the two weeks who'd come to watch me. And I felt like I was letting everyone down, but I wouldn't have known otherwise. And I did, I took time for myself and just got on with it and went, I'm going to have to take this time. So I would say that you definitely have to just live those experiences to know that like, sometimes it's okay to just turn around and be like, I can't do this or I need to look after myself a little bit more. I need to stop going out and partying and shouting and screaming. I can't do that and then do an audition the next day. We we always say but our motto here is be your best you. And I, I always, you know, you can't be your best you. You're also, your best you is not a, a tired, um, under par person who's going, yeah, but I, I'm just such a warrior. Like, I'll just carry on. You're thinking it's just not the best version of you. If you have to take two steps back to take a big leap forward, then then we'd much rather you do that than, than anything else. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, it's so important to listen to your body and listen to your body and your brain, I think. And sometimes it's all right to just turn around and be like, this is not for me. I can't do this. Um, and I need to just like take a moment for myself and come back stronger. Because then when you do come back, you'll do so much better and be more positive around yourself and others. Amazing. I think that's spot on, Grace. Can I, can, Grace, just to finish, if you, if you, can we ask you a couple of quick fire? We, we wouldn't be allowed or get away with it. Kids would kick off if we didn't ask you these questions. Quick fire questions about about your musical theatre preferences, shows, songs, etc. Yeah. Are you all right with that? Yeah. Okay. So here we go. So just to wrap up, then, what is your favourite, your current favourite musical? Miss Saigon. I love it. What about your the song you hope no one auditions with in 2023? Oh, that's such a good one. Um, ooh, 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 ooh. The first one that's come to mind is like Right Hand Man from Something Rotten. Mm-hmm. Everyone does that song and it makes me cringe every single time. I hate it. <laughs> Why am I talking about being your right hand man? Oh, God, no. Stop. Okay, what is your what is the what is the dream role for you? People are gonna be like, ew, so cringe. But um and people who know me will know why, but um Grisabella and Cats. Get me on that stage singing memory or Fontaine and Lame Miz. Get me on stage singing I Dream's Dream. Get me in that blonde wig. Cameron McIntosh is listening, please. Get me in that blonde wig. <laughs> Oh, I suppose final one, Grace. Um, what is the musical theatre industry news that is exciting you the most at the minute? Oh, musical theatre industry news. I think um, the fact that there's Oklahoma on at the moment in London mm-hmm. and it's new and current and exciting and legit musicals and old style musicals that everyone goes and rolls their eyes at is suddenly this new exciting thing that people want to go and see again. Oh, it makes my heart sore. I love it. It's great. I love that. Okay. My last question is what is the gig? What is the gig that you would love to go to as in concerts? You mentioned going to V-Fest. So the band or, or the, the, yeah, the band or the artist that you'd love to see past or present. Ooh, past or present. 
gosh, you, you come up with some good questions. There's so many. I would have loved to have seen Queen. Loved to have seen Queen. Um, I also, I, I'm seeing Hosier in the summer and he's one of my big people. Paolo Nettini. Um, and I saw one of my main ones was Vampire Weekend and I saw them a few years ago as well. So I take off quite a lot. I'm a proper concert gig goer. I do love it. I love things yeah. that aren't empty. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Love that. Oh, Grace, thank you so much. We could speak to you about so many things. It would be great to have you on again in the future because you've just got so much great advice, I think, for our listeners. So thanks so much for coming on. No, thank you. And if anyone's listening um, and wants to ask me any questions, I'm, my DMs are always open. It's at Galloway Phone Calls. You can always get in touch. I'm always happy to give advice and to help people out wherever I can because I know that I would have absolutely loved it when I was auditioning and things like that too. Oh, thanks so Brilliant. much, Grace. Thank you, Grace. You're so welcome. Thank you.